The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You are now listening to The Football Five, only on the W2M Network. All right, welcome to The Football Five, everybody. Alongside Eric Watkins, Dylan Golden, Josh Lurie, and Rachel Krieger, I'm Stephen Err. Before we start the show, that we have to, let's be the last, I should start with. Let us be the last to wish Rachel a happy birthday. She turned 20 yesterday, and we weren't on, we weren't on here to do it. So happy birthday to Rachel. Now, are we going to sing, or does nobody no. want to hear me oh, in no. my terrible no. voice? No, I'm tone deaf, so no. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we do every day, every week, I should say, we'll go down the final scores from week four. So, Thursday night, the Bengals beat the Dolphins 22-7. to In London, 9.30 a.m. on the East Coast, the Jaguars beat the Colts 30-27. to Falcons knocked off the Panthers 48-33. to Darius knocked off the Ravens 20-27. The Bears beat the Lions 17-14. Texans hold off the Titans 27-20. The Bills shut out the Patriots 16-0. The Seahawks beat the Jets 27-17. The Redskins beat the Browns 31-20. The Broncos beat the Bucks in a weather delay 27-7. The Rams hold off the Cardinals 17-13. The Saints shot the Chargers 35-34. The Cowboys beat the Niners 24-17. The Steelers smashed the Chiefs 43-14. And the Vikings beat the Giants Monday night, 24-10. to Our guys and Rachel, takeaways from week four. All is back and well in Steeler Nation. Rachel, I told you not to worry. We had Le'Veon Bell back, and everything went back to the way it was. Ben was out there chucking, hucking football. We had Martavis. We had... Not Martavis Bryant. Rachel, can you help me out here? Marcus I'm blanking Wheaton. on a name. Marcus Wheaton. Exactly. He didn't drop any balls. And we had a clean-lunged Le'Veon Bell doing his thing, finished with over 100 yards, and our offense just dominated and proved that they were one of the best in the league. Yep, I am... With Josh, I'm so sorry. I will never doubt my Steelers ever again. They really pulled it back. Um, you know, got to give a lot of credit to to Mike Tomlin, too. He has a defense that is very injury depleted, but he just finds the right players to just, to just put in the right spots. And I think my big, excuse me, my big takeaway from week, uh, week four was, what, what's going on with the Cardinals? I mean, Carson Palmer, he's in concussion protocol right now. Just the whole team is just falling apart, and I don't understand how, especially on the defense with the, with the talent they have. They have Chandler Jones, Tyron Matthew. They have Patrick Peterson. They, they're stacked. I, don't, I have no idea what's going on. They just kind of seem to be in a funk right now on defense especially. And things are looking like they might get worse before they get better because Drew Santon is not a good backup quarterback. And that's saying something. Well, honestly, I would rather have Drew Stanton than, as I like to call him, Ryan Lindley. So the Cardinals are going to be at least a decent. But I noticed a couple of things. Number one. My Super Bowl picks are looking shaky. Number two, there's a few different teams where I am about a week away from pushing the panic button. Number three, Rex Ryan. I don't know what kind of switch he has in his brain to do something to avoid getting fired and cooling down his seat quite efficiently. And finally... What is it with the Rams and teams within their division? 
They're terrible against everybody else, but against teams within their division, they are insane. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I have two main takeaways from this week, and it starts with the NFC Championship last year, Cardinals-Panthers. Both teams are 1-3, and three, and both their quarterbacks are in the concussion protocol. So they're starting to see a semblance of something wrong with both of these teams. Now, Carolina got torched by Julio Jones on Sunday, just going to show you how weak their secondary is. And obviously, Julio Jones is a monster, but their secondary allowed 300 yards to Julio Jones. So there is a big problem there. Cam Newton is in concussion protocol, as I mentioned, and they are injured on all on both sides of the ball, and that goes for the Cardinals as well. I still can't figure out what has happened to these two teams because they are Panthers are stacked on offense, that is for sure. Their defense has a lot of talent despite the fact that their secondary is weak. And Arizona, both sides of the ball, they rank up in, in the top five in the league in both categories, so I am unsure what is happening right now. But we are one or two weeks away if they continue to play poorly from really pushing that panic button and starting to ask what is wrong with these two teams. But for right now, I'm going to move away from the negative side and go to the positive side. The Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Rams. At, at, at week one, after week one, after the Rams lost 28 zip, and while the Vikings won, they needed their defense to beat the Titans. We, I, I especially had no thoughts. If you told me that both of them, Vikings would be 4-0, and the Rams would be 3-1, I would have laughed at you because I wouldn't see that as as realistic at all the Rams have turned around and beaten two perennial Super Bowl contenders and the Vikings continue to get it done on defense with Sam Bradford just being competent enough at quarterback to get things done without Adrian Peterson without Teddy Bridgewater their defense is coming up and playing the best that they have in the past couple of years they're the purple people eaters again so for me both teams defenses have helped them Todd Gurley hasn't been much. Adrian Peterson hasn't even been playing. So if I had to give a reason, it's both of their defenses. And if it can keep going and then they can get healthy and get better, then we could see some serious contenders if this keeps going, especially with the Vikings with the way their defense has been playing. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, the Vikings have been some dogs on the defensive end. I've got to give love to my boy Tyler North. He's been telling me about the Vikings for years. Granted, he's the one Vikings fan I know in the state of Maryland. But yeah, between Stefan Diggs and the receiving core, they got Cord- Cordell Patterson is nothing to slip sniff at. S- Matthew Stafford, I remember one of my friends on Twitter was calling him a system quarterback. But you know what? If he's a system quarterback, he is the world's first plug-and-play quarterback because he is running that offense more efficient than I saw anybody run it last season. No disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater, because I still think he's got more upside, but he might have lost a job in Minnesota, because he's he might not be back for the beginning of next season. It was a crazy week for her. I mean, I could, I'll start with that. But the one one thing, uh, I'm, I'm with Rachel, I'm with Dylan. What is with our NFC Championship game teams from last year? <clears throat> The Falcons. Well, the Panthers were cursed by a certain someone saying they oh, go 19 No, don't, don't go there. Eric's already done with that bottle of champagne. I heard he's going for another one. <laughs> hey, they got them on sale, especially hurricane <laughs> weather. So <laughs> I, I'm just warning you. But but this team is just god-awful. They gave up 500 yards passing to Matt Ryan, who hasn't been consistent since, what, 2010, 2011, when they went, like, 14-2. and two? I think, and 300 receiving yards to Julio Jones. Now, Julio Jones is good, but 300 receiving yards. Mother of God. Like, this Panthers team, I'm, I'm not hitting the panic button because they still they have the Bucks next Monday night, and the Bucks are that much worse than the Panthers are. And we'll get to that a little bit later. And then there's the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals, I mean, they shocked us all freak one, losing to Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they beat the Bucs. I'm like, okay, maybe they're good. They force five or four or five picks against James Winston. And then they lose their next game. I forget who they played week three. And then here they are against the Rams. So maybe time to hit the panic button for the Cardinals. But there's one team that means business, as we say, as I hear on these commercials up here in Virginia. And that team is Darius. 
The Raiders are three and zero on the road for the first time since two thousand. They were two and on on the road for the first time since two thousand two. And what happened to them that season? Oh, they went to the Super Bowl. Hey, watch out for these Raiders guys. I mean, we talked about them. We said, hey, these these Raiders be business. Now they really mean business. They're three and one, and on top, no, no, they're second in the AFC West behind the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and also I want to be the first to apologize to all Broncos fans out there, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Most of all, I need to apologize to you because you guys are comedy gods and Broncos fans, and clearly I underestimated the impact of this defense. I forgot that uh, last year they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning being statistically the worst Super Bowl quarter quarterback to play in a Super Bowl. And remember, we've had people like Trent Dilfer play in Super Bowls. <laughs> you, you, have a good, you have a point there. Yeah, Paxton Lynch came in for Trevor Simeon, and the the rookie was impressive. He was able to do just enough to keep the ball moving, but really the win comes on the back of this defense. Yeah, you know, we always hear the saying, defense wins championships, especially last year when Denver's defense basically carried them to the Super Bowl. I mean, like I said, we got Minnesota, we got Denver. I mean, a, there's a bunch of teams here that are undefeated or have one loss that have been really almost heavily relying on their defense to get most of the, to win most of the game. And that has been the case. Like I said earlier, the Rams. Case Keenum hasn't done Todd Gurley hasn't done anything, and he was expected to be a very important piece of this offense. They really to their defense, which is that well. And they have carried the team. They many big plays last inning against Seattle. So these defenses, it's true, they do win championships. It might not be championships for most of these teams, but they win games. That is the point. They are, that is a winning group. If you have a really good defense and you can supplement that with just a de- decent offense, then you're going to win football games. That's just, that's just the truth, and that's why the Broncos won the Super Bowl last year, and that's why they lead the division so far. Well, the Broncos are doing good, as well as our Raiders. There's one team, there's another team here besides the Panthers and the Cardinals that I'm very disappointed in. Indianapolis. I mean, the Jaguars play god-awful this year, and then they go to London and beat the Colts. Gandrew Luck, the $100 million man. So now here I am. Uh, we, we talked about this in our group message, I believe. Or I said it on Twitter, at least. Whichever coach lost his game in London had to go. And now I'm saying it. Chuck Pagano has to go. Here's the thing. His This isn't Chuck Pagano's fault, because we have seen Chuck Pagano put together brilliant coaching jobs. Uh, like the season when he came back from cancer, that was one of the best coaching jobs we've seen recently in the NFL. But this is on the general manager, and I got to say, it's also on Mr. Ursay. They have not given him the tools. I mean, we all talk about the $100 million man in, in Andrew Luck, but they look like they've invested maybe $30 in that offensive line. He keeps on getting hit. He's running for his life. Nothing that happens this season is on Andrew Luck. He is still one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, but he needs some help. He's got no defense to back him up. He's got no offensive line to give him time. Thank God for Pierre Garçon still being there. Otherwise, I don't know what he would be doing. Yeah, I mean, look. Whenever a team is performing poorly, they always blame it on the coach. And I understand what you're saying, Josh, because other than Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hill and a couple others on offense, there is really no one for Andrew Luck to rely on. The defense, one of the worst in the league. We saw him give up 30 points to the Jaguars. Offensive line, they have three rookies on that line. Andrew Luck was sacked six times last week. So there are no weapons and there is no stability on that team. But I look to two calls that Pagano has made in the past couple of years, and that is why he is under so much scrutiny. Take it last week. Fourth and one, you have two timeouts and a two-minute warning. If you if you want to go for it, which they did, is fine, but the call that they made was not of was not the best. They chose to pass it, and while you could pass it, there's other ways for them to pass it other than the way they did. It was a typical shotgun pass, which is not what you should be doing on fourth and one. You can either run the ball 
or you could have play action, or you could have other rollout plays. It's just the fact that he chose to do it that way was a poor call, and I can't even I can't even for, talk about Chuck Pagano without mentioning last year against the Patriots that horrendous fake punt, whatever formation you want to call it, that was just not smart, and it obviously did not work because when you have a center and a punter against the entire defense, it's usually not going to work. So obviously... What they've built around that team has been not been great. There are still other areas as to why I understand he's under so much scrutiny because this team does have talent. Of course, there are areas where they're very, very weak, but the team does have talent, and they're not making use of the division that they plan to be semi-successful. I have to, I have to say sorry. I have to give my friend here a shout-out. I'm sorry to my friend... Jeff, who here at school is a giant uh, Colts fan, but there, there's no way. Like they are in such a crappy division, in in my opinion, that I want to say that they are gonna win it. But with the way they're playing, how can you say that? I mean, yes, they are playing better than the uh, Tennessee Titans, maybe better than the Houston Texans, and the Texans are a little shaky without JJ Watt. And, like, I, I just don't – I don't know about the Colts right now. You want to you wanna root for them. You want to root for Andrew Luck. But, excuse me, in the end, they're just – they just keep disappointing. They just keep disappointing. And, you know, Josh is absolutely right. Their offensive line, it is such garbage. They have the worst offensive line in the NFL. And unless something gets done about that, then they're not going to win. Yeah, I'm almost tempted to call them the Browns of the South for this season, except they actually have a quarterback situation. But you know who doesn't have a quarterback situation? The Jets. How bad is Geno Smith in practice if they haven't even tried to trot him out in the game? Because with Ron Fitzpatrick, we are seeing one of the worst, and I mean absolutely dismal, quarterback performances and I'm a man who lived through the walking nightmare that was inconsistent Cordell Stewart in the late 90s to the point that we brought Ken Graham to come in as quarterback who lasted a total of two games. Rachel, do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, to carry off your point, Fitzpatrick has thrown nine interceptions in the last two games. This isn't Half a season, this isn't the entire season, this is two games. That included six, I said six, against the Kansas City Chiefs two weeks ago. I, I read somewhere, he's thrown nine interceptions in the last two games. Aaron Rodgers has thrown nine interceptions in, I believe, his last 735 pass attempts. So if you look at that, it's just absolutely crazy to see the rate that Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing interceptions. He's throwing the amount of interceptions that someone would have thrown in half a season, but he's done that. In, th- in, in the amount of time that he has a quarter of the season in two games, his performance is just not worthy of what a playoff team expects it to be. And remember, they were taking all this time and worrying so much about bringing him back. I mean, I get it. Geno Smith, Bryce Petty, those two aren't what you think would be ideal. But you just you got to see what you have because you're not going to win games and you're not going to make it to the playoffs with a guy that's thrown Nine interceptions in two games, unless you look at your other options and see if you have something at least half better than what you're having right now. Because if they can't find something else, then there's a problem, and they obviously probably won't make it too far with what they have right now. Uh, Okay, kind of closing up the matchup of teams that played in Super Bowl three. Number one for the Colts. I get that you have on the offensive line three rookies on the right side. But if you have a simple fourth and one play that you can just lunge forward and get the first down, I am going to blame Andrew Luck, especially since he had such a high bar coming out of Stanford in his first few years in the league. Number two, Ursay is acting just like his father. And for fans that know what happened at fateful day in 84 and everything leading up to it, yes, you kind of see this little bit of behavior coming. So while I can't quite call them the Browns of the South, there is a reporter that calls them the Indianapolis Ursays. That seems fitting. 
Now, going towards the Jets, Josh, you mentioned the nebulous situation, if you will, for your Steelers in the late 90s. I remember that time. I also remember that time where the quarterback situation was even worse. Ty Detmer, who threw seven interceptions in one game, and against Charlie Batch. But then again, it was Detroit. I honestly think maybe because there was some stability in Fitzpatrick's mind that he got the decent contract that the Jets wanted him back. Plus, I've seen Geno Smith. He was fantastic at West Virginia, but in any sort of pro-style offense, he's terrible. That's why they pretty much begged and pleaded for Fitzpatrick to come back. And unfortunately... Being as bit of a streaky guy that he is, this is what you're getting. I think Fitzpatrick can come out of this, but if not, it's going to be a long rest of the season for Jets fans. Yeah, my buddies who are Jets fans have given up on the season already. They're just hoping the Mets can have a run, and they're not even mad. We were talking about the six-interception game, and they were just like, you know, after four interceptions, I was just impressed. Like, that's what the Jets are doing to their fans people aren't able to get upset or riled up about it because he's just so disheartening meanwhile we have had some teams look absolutely fantastic this season one of them has to be the Seahawks it was a game they should have lost they've got a banged up quarterback but once again Russell Wilson gets the job done You know, I think this is the three toughest games for the Jets this season. Chiefs, the Seahawks, and next week, oh god, they play the Stellars. And if if you if you do math here, the Chiefs dominated the Jets. The Steelers dominated the Chiefs. So that just spells absolute abomination for the Jets against the Steelers. And what's worse, that game's in the Steel City, at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. But we will get to that game. A little later as well. So, uh, first time in Gillette Stadium ever. First time at home since, I think it's like week 14, 1993. Which I think I think Rachel, Dylan, and I weren't even ideas at that point. That the Patriots was, were shut out at home. That was the rookie season of one Drew Bledsoe. To yes. put that in context, Drew Bledsoe's son is now a senior in high school who I scouted at quarterback last year. Impressive. So this is against the Bills. That's this is my point here. The Patriots shut out home for the first time since 2006. No, no, no. First time, first time at home was 1993. Shut out uh, overall first time since 2006 when they played in Miami and got shut out against the Dolphins. But the point here is the Bills. They, they went from 0-2 to Rex Ryan and Rex Ryan needed to be fired. They're 2-2. So, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking maybe Rex saves his job for the rest of this season. Uh, yes. Black Monday is going to come, and, uh, yeah. Buffalo has totally resurrected itself after an 0-2 start. Both of those games, they probably could have won. So you could be looking at 3-1 or undefeated, but I, if I were a Bills fan, I'd be definitely happy with 2-2, two two, given the fact that they played the Patriots and the Cardinals. But as I look at it, these two wins definitely help out Rex Ryan a lot, especially being a Patriots team that the Bills definitely don't like and and have not been had not been in a meaningful road game or all the st- most of the starters played in a very very long time. I think around a decade or at the start of the at the start of the 2000s. So they're very happy that they pulled out this win. But I want to mention. If things start to get ugly again, which I don't think they will because it seems like they've built a lot of momentum and confidence, but if things do start to get ugly, they get on a pretty big losing streak, things start to turn out poorly, the performance is not what it was, then he could make his way back onto the hot seat. But in terms of completely getting the pink slip, I think he's pretty much set that off until at least Black Monday. But honestly... We've seen a lot of crazy things happen in the NFL, especially with that Buffalo Bills organization. So I would say for right now, he's he's cooled off his seat a little bit. 
but I wouldn't get too comfortable because there's still a lot of the season to be played, a lot of bad losses that could still come, and a lot of games they should win to come. So for right now, he's cooled off his seat, but I wouldn't be so comfortable, especially with that ominous Black Monday coming at the end of the season, depending on how the Bills perform. Hey, here's the thing about their two wins we've got to take into account. It could easily be Week 10 and us looking here and talking about that matchup between the Cardinals and the Bills and just the beginning of the end for the Cardinals because right now they are looking mighty shaky. And this was actually a game that we should have all expected the Bills to win. I know that there is some voodoo magic that Bill Belichick has in those cutoff hoodies, which I will find the magic of that, okay? I need that in my life. But anyways, Jacoby Brissett is a rookie quarterback who not only was starting only his second game with the first game coming on a short week, but he also was coming back from injury. He had a torn ligament in his hand. There's a decent chance he wasn't getting the proper grip on the ball, and anybody who studies football in-depth knows that when a quarterback can't get a grip, that is going to drastically decrease his accuracy, which is significant. And also, Rex Ryan just is able to always get it up for the Patriots. I don't know what happened. Maybe Bill Belichick took the last hamburger at a cookout. Maybe one of the assistant coaches stole one of his girlfriends when he was younger. But he turns into... An evil genius whenever he plays against Bill Belichick and those boys from Foxborough. Josh, I have to first of all completely agree to you about the evil genius and all of his quirks. Maybe that source that he mentioned saying that Brissett was going to be the quarterback was Walt Pulaski of the Buffalo News. I don't know. But something in him... Ever since his first day where he said he's not going to kiss Belichick's rings and everything that he did with the Jets and even going back to his days as a defensive coordinator for the Ravens, these are the kind of games that we expect from him. Stellar defense, just enough offense to possibly win. So it's going to be low scoring and for the most part unentertaining. But you look at this now at 2-2. and Let's extrapolate this. Eight and eight, nine and seven. Given the way some of these divisions are looking, this is right around those first couple of Jets teams where they were. Then all of a sudden, you find them in the AFC Championship game. So maybe this is the flipping of that on switch. And if Belichick does have some magic in that cutoff hoodie, he might have stolen it from the Mormons with them having their magic underwear. I don't know. I would be proud to investigate because whenever I wear a cutoff hoodie, nothing seems to work. So uh, at this point, you're bordering on that little stretch of inexplicable. So as we mentioned, Denver beat the Bucks 27-7. So that's the Bucks' third loss in a row. And these losses have just been ugly. Absolutely ugly. They cut, they go from four touchdown passes to James Winston from James Winston against the Falcons to where they are now. I mean, I don't know about you. What you guys think? I mean, we all know that Tampa is a suffering sports town because the Rays, the Bucks, the Storm. So Derek and Dylan know the Storm, how bad they are. I'm not surprised that the Bucks have the Bucks have come as I'm, I like to say it. The Bucks have come down to earth here. Yeah, look. We always like to look at week one and think, oh my gosh, we always have overreactions to week one wins. Remember, it's a new season. Teams are still getting used to each other. Teams are still getting in sync. And that, and I'm not, you know, trying to downgrade the win. That was a great win. Great game by James Winston. And of course, the Falcons right now have turned around and won three straight games, including the Panthers. And we all know the history with the Falcons and their early season starts. We'll, I'm sure, get to that later. But to me, it was a great game, the great game they played. But you turn around, they play a Cardinals team on the road that we expected to be very good. Of course, they haven't turned out that way. It's still a tough road game. 
and you play a pesky Los Angeles Rams team, and then you play a Denver Broncos team that has a brick wall-free defense. I've said that many times on this show, and I will continue to until it proves otherwise. So not only has their schedule been pretty difficult, but I think for this team, we thought we had some decent expectations for them. We thought, but I think it's more their future. They have a pretty bright future, but for right now, they still have some pieces to pick up. They just cut their tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins. That was quite a scene where he got arrested again. He got in trouble, so they had to cut him. So they've been dealing with some things over there in Tampa, and there's some things that need to be cleaned up. They have a quarterback in place, so at least we think they are just going to have to pick up the pieces and hope and that their schedule gets a little bit easier from now on. But like I said... We just tend to overreact in week one, and I think that's what we did with the Buccaneers. I just I think we kind of overestimated what they're going to do. So it's going to be interesting what they're going to turn out to be the rest of the season. But after three straight losses, it's going to be interesting to see how many more wins they pick up for the rest of the year. Okay, now... Sorry. <laughs> you know what? Go ahead, Rachel. I've been talking a lot, and I'm sure people are tired of hearing my voice. <laughs> If you, okay, if you insist, I'll make it short and sweet. Uh, Dylan, you can't say, oh, it's just week four. You can't say that anymore. It's week four. It's four weeks into the season. It's week four. They had a whole preseason. It's week four. They had a whole off season. We're, we want to talk about quote unquote excuses. Saying it's just week four. We should start worrying. That's that's an excuse to me. They had so much time to prepare, and they're just they're just not improving. And you can't blame them on the fact that it's early in the season. They had all this time. I know I just repeated myself. I'm sorry again. I am very, very sleepy, bad. But if Jameis Winston, if the Tampa Bay, not just Jameis, if anyone just doesn't I want to go back to a point Josh made. How Jacoby Brissett, uh, we, we expected the Bills to win. No, we didn't. Because if Jacoby Brissett can beat the Texans, who had J.J. Watt, who had Vince Wilfork, Jadavion Clowney, DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller the fifth, if, he, if the, J, Jacoby Brissett could beat them, I, I personally, I don't know what the rest of you guys, I did not see the Bills beating the Patriots. I mean, as a matter of fact, on the podcast, it never was. I said the Patriots would pummel the Bills. Unfortunately, obviously, it didn't work out that way. Again, it's all about that thumb. Yeah, especially you tear a ligament in your throwing thumb. As Josh said earlier, the grip, especially with certain weather, and it almost comes to like a numbness. That's going to be horrible in terms of getting any kind of spin or accuracy on your throws. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe the injury did have an impact. He did have a couple turnovers in the red. The red zone, mind you, I saw that. I saw how that game was just awful. They could have scored two touchdowns easily because they're the Patriots. That's what they do. But uh, to end this right here, because we got to go right to week five. I, uh, Rachel, I mean Dylan. Yeah, we can't say it's week four, or whatever. But he did. He did make a good point in saying we do overreact a lot to week one. I mean, come on! I said that the right. Bucks week, were go- week, are going to shock the Cardinals. Lot, week one is a lot different than Week four, but even still, Week one you have all of that time. And sure, Week one we'll give it a pass. But when it hits Week two, when it hits Week three, especially when it hits Week four, there's you got to start handing out the pink slips. All I got to say is, welcome to Earth, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's about time. We'll wait for you. All right, so let's go into this. Good God. It's already week five, ladies and gentlemen. God, it is, it is, this season's going by way too fast, first of all. This is crazy. We, tomorrow is week five. Like, wow. Where's the season gone? We have some great games to talk about. We have no commercials tonight. Commercial-free episode of the Football Five. Rachel McCrigger, Josh Laurie, Eric Watkins, Dylan Goldman. I'm Stephen Err. 
What a great game. What a great slate of games we got this week. Just to name a few. The Lions, I mean, this game isn't, oh my God, it's not, you know, NFC Championship worthy, but the Lions and the Eagles, great game. I can see it going down to the wire. The Texans and the Vikings, good Lord. If this game does not go into overtime, it's a disappointment. Oh God, that's going to be such a great game to watch. Broncos and the Falcons, another great game. Two great offenses going head to head. Cowboys Bengals, eh, they could go either way. I see that pretty good game. To, now this one, this is going to shock all of you. The Rams and the Bills could be the game of the week right here. That that's a bold statement. All I've got to say though is I. If you are a football fan in Cleveland, don't bother wasting your time. You've got a free hour. If you've got a wife or a girlfriend, just go take her out to a nice brunch. Get those brownie points in. Make it a terrific lady day because you do not want to spend three hours watching that miserable beatdown. Tom Brady is pissed. He's coming back. The Patriots are going to unload their offense. And I mean, we're going to see Gronkowski get back in the mix. It's they, they might put up 50, okay? If you're a betting person, take the over and take the Patriots to cover the spread because this is going to be a blowout of the year. I was just going to say, yes, a 10-point spread is huge in the NFL, but considering as how it's the Browns with their situation, although Cody Kessler is accurate, and their best wide receiver, arguably one of their best players, just entered a rehab facility. Brady's been working out. He's already gone back to his alma mater, was an honorary captain for a game during the suspension. Everybody thought he had a chip on his shoulder before. Be prepared. Yes, this is just going to be a brutal game for Cleveland sports fans and Browns especially. I mentioned this in our group chat last week, and I would like to bring it up again because I'm just going to laugh every single time the Browns lose. Terrell Pryor said last week after the Dolphins lost, uh, excuse me, the Dolphins beat the Browns, that they would go undefeated the rest of the season. Of course, that didn't happen because they lost to the Redskins. But I don't even think there is a 0.1% chance that the Browns will even have, will be even competitive in this game. Tom Brady is going to come back with a huge chip on his shoulder. He's going to be very, very angry with the NFL that he missed four games already. And he's going to come back with a vengeance. I assume Rob Gronkowski is going to be fully healthy after two games of basically being in hibernation. Cleveland is in a flux. They have their quarterback situation is a mess. As Eric said, Josh Gordon just entered rehab and he will no longer be with the team. So this is a team in flux against a team that is back, that is healthy, that is fully ready to go with the quarterback that is going to unleash his fury on a winless team, the lone winless team in the league. So if I were a Cleveland fan, I would turn my complete attention to the Indians because if you pay any single attention to the Browns, it might just get sad. So I'm advising right now every single Browns fan, turn your attention to the Indians and just don't look back. I've heard a lot of places that people are saying that Tom Brady is rusty because he might he might not have worked out during his suspension, which I think is malarkey. But the guys, we were talking about. I've heard people also talking about the Patriots go sixteen and zero if they go four and zero without Brady. Unfortunately, the Bills ruined that. Now you have are now three and one. Brady's back. Schedule is looking kind of favor, kind of in their favor. Can they go twelve and zero the rest of the way? I mean, I'm not going to say that because they uh, have a date with uh, one Pittsburgh Steelers who's about to make light work of their division rival, the Jets, but we'll get to that game later. But yeah, this is going to be one of the most dangerous teams we have. 
one of the most dangerous teams that the Patriots have put together in the Belichick Brady area era, especially with the defense. This is one that rivals the defense from their initial three Super Bowl run. So I wouldn't say they're going to go undefeated the rest of the way, but they're going to be a problem and they're going to be favored in every game. Look, I don't want to go ahead and say they're going to win the rest of their games, finish 15-1 like the Panthers did last season, because that is incredibly tough. You never know when injuries are going to pop up. You never know when you're going to get into a little bit of a funk. Of course, this is a Patriots team that is going to be full of fury. They're going to be, they're going to want to be back together. They will be this week. And they are just one, they are just a talented team with talent on all sides of the ball. One of the, uh, just a absolute, a sorcerer as a head coach. So they really have all the pieces in place. But like Josh said, they got to go on the road to Heinz Field, play the Steelers. They're going to have the Seahawks coming in in week 10. They're going to go on the road to play Buffalo, who I know they didn't play with Brady, but that's always a tough game for them. They're going to, there's going to be a lot of tough games for them. I know there's going to be favorite in a lot of those games, but still they're tough games. And it's going to be a big challenge for them and a big testament to really how they're going to be. And they're going to end up being pretty much fine. They're going to finish with a 12-4, and 11-5, and 13-3 record. They're not going to, you know, miss out on, you know, be worse than they have in the past couple of years. Of course, they're going to have challenges. But I don't know if they're going to go 12-0. and 0. That's incredibly difficult, even with the talent that they have. So I'm going to say they're going to have at least one or two losses, but it wouldn't surprise me if they pretty much run the table the rest of the way. Okay. Can they run the table the rest of the way? Yes. Will they be favored? Yes. Are they honestly going to do it? No. We've seen what happens to a Patriots team that runs the table during the regular season. Lest we forget how that ended. Plus, when you get to the point, they're already in a great position at 3-1. and one. Say Tom Brady wins the first eight. You start clinching everything at 11-1. and one. You're going to look to take the rest of that season, quote-unquote, off. Rest players, you know Garoppolo is capable because Brady isn't going to be satisfied until he's lifting the Lombardi Trophy yet again to give a double tall man to all of the haters and critics. So while I see the Patriots being very capable, I see them playing this smart. I think I got to go with Josh. I don't see them going um, 12-0 and because they're playing the Steelers. And I just promised Josh that I would never bet against the Steelers again. But they are going to be trouble. And... I don't know. I don't think that game with Buffalo is going to be close, like Dylan said. It just with Brady at the helm. I don't. I don't see them losing that game, and I don't even see them winning by just like ten points or or three points. Or you know, I see them just. They're going to wreck havoc, but I don't think they're going to do it against the Steelers. No, I agree with you guys. I mean, the, the, at best, they go 10-2 and two in this game. I'm with you guys on the Steelers because, I mean, the Steelers are a great team. They showed that Sunday night against the Chiefs. And then there's the Seahawks. Yeah, they go, they're, they're going to Foxborough. So what? I mean, the Seahawks had the Patriots at their on their heels in Super Bowl 49. All they had to do was run the ball, and they would have beat them. So, And they beat them again in 2012. So this, this team can definitely beat the Patriots, even if it's a Gillette Stadium. Other than that, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. It looks pretty favorable in the Patriots' favor the rest of the way. But we, after we saw last year, I can't, I can't even go there because they started 12 and 0, and they finished 2 and 4. Gave up the number one overall seed to the Broncos in the last game because they couldn't beat the Dolphins. It, I, I hope for the best for the Patriots, but I don't see them going 12 and 0. I just, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, no, they're just going to, I don't think they're going to go all the way and just tank. But again, 
when they get to the point to where, especially after you mentioned giving up the number one seed last year, they're going to want to wrap everything up as quick as they can, home field, bye week, everything, and then once they're done, they just shut it down. I actually don't see that happening because they learned how important home field advantage was, especially in the playoffs last season when they had to go to the Maha Stadium. As uh, one of the most famous Patriot fans said on Barstool Sports, I didn't account for the air. Yeah, yeah. See, Brady's also has to go to Denver this year. I forgot to include that, where he got hit 33 times last in the AC title game last year. 33. That's a, that's a, it's crazy. So maybe maybe nine and three, but I'm going. I'm heading for ten and two. I think it could be Trevor Simeon in Denver. But going, to, I want to go to this Lions Eagles game. I don't know if you guys remember last Thanksgiving, the Lions laid a licking to the Eagles. Dominated him 45 to 7, I believe the score was. Calvin Johnson had three first half touchdowns by himself. This year, it's a different story. Now, the Lions are 1 and 3. But let me tell you, they have not played like a 1 and 3 team. They have not played like a 1 and 3 team. And then you have the Eagles coming off their bye, 3 0. Carson Wentz doing Carson Wentz things. Call me crazy, but I still think the Lions could beat the Eagles this weekend. Well, there's no doubt they can still win this game. I mean, we're talking about they're at Ford Field, they're at home. Philadelphia really going to for their first road test of the season. Despite the fact that Chicago did beat the Lions, I'm still very wary of them. And, you know, the Eagles are really going to be on their first true road test. And that rookie quarterback, Carson Wentz, has been very impressive. But coming off a probably inopportune bye league with how they were playing, Detroit has been very disappointing with what they could have been. One and three, they've had some good performances, almost came back against Green Bay. But then you look at those two games against Tennessee, they should have probably won that game. And then Chicago, Chicago is just better than them on that day. Of course, they probably were, the lines are better overall, but Chicago is just better than them on Sunday. And that's just somehow, sometimes how it goes. And, you know, it's definitely not, un, definitely not unrealistic to pick the Lions here. The Eagles are 3-0, and but if I had to pick one team, that is either undefeated or one loss. I think the Eagles are the team that might not be where they are at the end of the season because while I'm not downgrading their accomplishments so far, they have played fantastic. There's going to be a tougher schedule. They got a lot of divisional road games coming up. They got some a lot of other road games coming up. So there's going to be a true test for this team. I think the Lions will. I would definitely pick the Lions in this one. So. For me, this is a g- opportunity for the Lions to bounce back. First true road test for the Eagles. It would also be a pretty big statement win for Philadelphia if they go on the road. I know Detroit's 1-3, and three, but as Steven mentioned, and I'm talking about right now, Detroit is a very, very talented team that has proved a lot this season, despite only having one win. So this is definitely going to be a very interesting game, probably a fourth-quarter game, but if I had to pick, probably going with Detroit in this one. So, Josh and Rachel love talk about their Stellars, and they have they have the right to. Stellars are doing pretty well this season, as they usually do. Big Ben, Antonio Brown, the running back duo of Dinger Williams and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Dylan and Eric, we will get to your Jaguars in a second. But first of all, I want to go with my Cowboys here. Dak Prescott has taken over the helm from Tony Romo, and they have pulled off three wins in a row. Dak Prescott has finally learned how to throw the ball deep. And has three, t- three touchdown passes in the last two games. Dallas hosts Cincinnati this week. And the defense will have trouble against A.J. Green. But the point here is, Dak Prescott's done very well. I, As a Cowboys fan, as a journalist, and concerning for Tony Romo's health, I, I say they stick with Dak. Even when Romo returns, possibly by week 9, week 8. I honestly think we've got to stop with the, all of the recency bias when it comes to talking about Dak Prescott needing to start instead of Tony Romo. I By no means do I think they should rush Tony Romo back. With that back injury, his history, and the fact that Dak Prescott is being successful, make sure Tony Romo is 110% before you bring him back. But you've got to start him. 
we're looking at the Cowboys as a playoff contender right now. Just imagine what we would be saying with them if they had a healthy Tony Romo behind that great offensive line with Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield and moving the ball around. I mean, hell, the loss of Des Bryant isn't slowing this offense down, and it would just be at another level if Tony Romo was still healthy. Josh, once again, absolutely right. When the pieces have fit together, especially with Tony Romo at his physical best, we've seen what this team can do. That translated to a 12-4 and season. And with Cole Beasley stepping up, developing a relationship with Dak Prescott in uh, Bryant's absence and in Romo's absence, that just gives a whole extra dimension, borderline Patriot-like, with the addition of Ezekiel Elliott. But I'm going to stick with what I said on Twitter. Yes, they're playoff contenders, but if Prescott continues to improve, continues to win games, especially setting up what would be a great matchup against Carson Wentz and the Eagles. I wouldn't rush to get Tony Romo back, and especially how the end of the season plays out, it might be time to get another veteran backup for 2017, and maybe Tony Romo should be looking to playing golf. I'm not 100% sure, but given the fact that there have been rumors even floating around that Romo would need to be or should be checked for some sort of bone disease because of all these injuries. I would hope that during this time that happens, so that way when he is back and he is 100%, he can stay that way. Otherwise, it's the beginning of the end. If you look at the performance of Dak Prescott so far, it's given Jerry Jones and the Cowboys no reason to rush Romo back or bring him back before his timetable for where he's supposed to come back. So if he continues to play well, and he's played fantastic so far, leading them to a 3-1 record for and for that week one game where they were so close, one-point game, they could be undefeated right now, 3-1, a fourth-round draft pick as their quarterback that was not expecting, that was not that did not have high expectations. I would definitely take 3-1. and one. And the way that he has been with Cole Beasley, he's had a fantastic season so far. Ezekiel Elliott is looking great. Dak Prescott is doing just fine in this offense. And if I were Jerry Jones, if I were Jason Garrett, I would not worry about rushing Tony Romo back. If it were vice versa, Dak Prescott was struggling, they couldn't find another quarterback that could perhaps be a little better for them, then I would consider trying to do it in the most in the best way possible to try to get him back, but they don't have to worry about it. This is a this is a player that has suffered through many injuries, and you don't want him to have a career-ending injury. His career is coming to an end. You don't want it to end right now. So for me, the way Prescott has played has is allowing Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett to not need to rush Romo back. I I say that they need to keep Prescott. Not if when Romo doesn't find a receiver, he starts running, that just spells trouble for his back, for That's his collarbone. That's called broken bones and the hearts of Dallas fans crying. He yeah. should never scramble, ever. He should just take the L, do what Peyton Manning used to do, and slide down and hope that the referees don't call you down. But uh, back to my point. When Dak rushes the ball, he can't find a receiver open. What does that spell? A Cowboys first down. So that's another thing I like about Dak. He can run the ball, and he doesn't hurt himself while doing it. So uh, I still say, Romo, I'll go go with what Eric said. Go play golf, man. You'll probably do better at that than uh, playing football. But we have. Um, he is a scratch God. golfer, from what I've heard. So maybe we'll be seeing him in the U.S. Open in a couple of years. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'll watch the U.S. Open like five years. Hey, it's Tony Romo. I remember him. He fumbled the snap in Seattle back in 2006. <laughs> but um, anyway, so uh, Jerry Jones, uh, you've done very dumb things before. This is the smartest thing you've ever done. Draft, draft Dak Prescott. Smartest thing you've ever done. Besides, probably not drafting Johnny Manziel, 22nd overall pick like you planned to. 
So um, we've come to the meat and potatoes of our show, the end of the show, where we pay, we do our three picks. Close game, blowout, and the episode of the week. As per usual, we start with Eric. Okay. As much as I've talked about this, and as much as I was going to go for a different pick for my blowout, Forgive me, everyone, for stealing the obvious. I'm sorry, but Pats, Browns, I mean, seriously, if Tom Brady doesn't hang half a hundred like we talked about, I am going to be thoroughly disappointed. And in a bit of a change, going into a recent game that we just wrapped up, I'm going to go ahead and get to my upset next. As much as Drew Stafford's been a little bit iffy, as much as I'm running alongside the winds train, something is going to happen. I think with that bye week, it did come unfortunately too soon. And I think with the Lions trying to prove something to themselves, especially Jim Caldwell, and especially the fact that they're doing what they are at their peak without Megatron... I think at home, this could be where Wentz finally loses. Now, it's not going to be the end of the world, but this could be the one game where he really gets exposed. And I was going to make this my blowout, but given the way that these two teams have played, especially that they have a short week, and given a history of recent meetings with the myriad of quarterbacks between them, Cardinals and Niners, that's going to be my close one. All kinds of rumors going around about possibly Kaepernick starting to see what he could do in a Chip Kelly system, and with the likelihood of Drew Stanton starting because Palmer's in the concussion protocol, I might have to set aside some time Thursday night and keep an eye on that one. All right, so move on to Josh now with his picks. Okay, as I said earlier, the Patriots in Cleveland is going to be the upset. Ohio football fans, just remember, it's an Ohio State home game on Saturday. Go to that. Have a great time with your buddies at the tailgate. And make it up to your girl by giving her a terrific lady day instead of watching Tom Brady hang 70 on your boys. My close game for the week is going to be the battle for the DMV. We've got the Washington professional football team playing the Ravens. And I feel like the Ravens are going to win this one. It's always a close game. But uh, Captain Kirk Cousins is becoming one of the contestants for the backbreaker interception that kills a game for his team. It's up between him and e- and NFC North t- competitor Eli Manning, and it's uh, Kirk Cousins' turn to have the pick this time. And for my upset, you know what? I think that the Falcons are feeling the juice We're likely looking at Paxton Lynch getting his first start. You know that the Falcons are going to dial up the Blitz. I think they sneak this one out by the skin of their teeth and knock off the Broncos in Denver. Before we get to Dylan, I want to correct Josh. Eli Manning plays in the NFC East, not in the NFC North. My bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) AFC North on the brain. I gotcha. Dylan, go ahead. All right, so for my blowout game of the week, I apologize for the lack of variety, but I just don't see any game that will come close to a blowout like the one we will see in Cleveland, New England, and the Browns, the Patriots and the Browns. We've talked about it enough, so I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Tom Brady's coming back. He's got a vengeance with the NFL with his deflategate suspension. The Browns coming in a flux. Their quarterback situation, Cody Kessler's going to go again. Josh Gordon's off the team. It's going to be ugly at First Energy Stadium, and I'm just going to keep it like that just so I can move on to my other picks. 
Now I'm going to move on to the upset pick of the week, and that comes on Thursday night football in San Francisco. Arizona enters as four-point favorites, and I'm picking the 49ers in this one. The 49ers are coming off a very, very well-played game against the Cowboys. They lost it, but they showed signs, they showed some flashes that they could be a decent football team this year. Arizona enters with Carson Palmer on the concussion protocol. I'm assuming Drew Stanton is going to start because a short week, I'm assuming Carson Palmer is not going to be able to come back, and if he does, he's going to be hurt and he's going to be banged up. San Francisco enters. It's a divisional game. Arizona's coming in in a flux. They could come out motivated. I see San Francisco edging out in an upset. And for my close game of the week, we've mentioned there are a lot of very quality games, and I'm going to go to Jerry World for my close game of the week, Cincinnati at Dallas. Cincinnati's coming off a win over the Dolphins on Thursday night. Dallas, as I just mentioned, coming off a hard-fought win over the 49ers in San Francisco. Cincinnati enters as only a one-point favorite on the road. We got Dak Prescott, we got Andy Dalton, two very young quarterbacks, especially Dak Prescott entering as a rookie. Ezekiel Elliott has looked strong for the Cowboys. We don't. We are assuming we won't see Des Bryant, so there are going to be a lot of Cole Beasley. On the other side, we got A.J. Green. So I'm expecting this to be a very hard-fought game as the spread, as the spread uh, anticipates. So I'm going to go with Dallas and by squeaking it out by a field goal maybe even by one point as the spread offers, except I'm going to flip it over. So Dallas edges it out, but they're going to win in a very, very, by a very slim margin. All right, now we go to Miss McCrigger. All right, I'm going to do some variety because I don't feel like picking Tom Brady because I can't stand the guy. Yeah, they're going to, like, actually put this, Cleveland Browns possibly in a grave, but whatever. But my close, my um, blowout, excuse me, my blowout is going to be Green Bay and the New York Giants with Green Bay winning. I have no faith in the Giants defense against Green Bay. I cannot stand the jo- Odell Beckham Jr., excuse me, Odell Beckham Jr. temper tantrums, and Eli Manning, he ain't Peyton, let's just put it that way. As for my upset pick, I have Buffalo going into Los Angeles and giving them an upset. I don't know why, but I have some faith in Rex Ryan. As for my close game, I actually am going to pick Arizona and San Fran, but I think San Fran's going to win it. I only hope that San Fran wins it with Colin Kaepernick. I am not a Blaine Gabbert fan, nor will I ever be a Blaine Gabbert fan. I don't really like picking against Arizona, but this time I'm going to. As always, hey, uh, both- I'm sorry, go ahead. Rachel, even if there are Blaine Gabbert fans, I'm pretty sure they're doing, doing like the Saints fans in the 80s wearing bags over their heads and pretending they don't exist. <laughs> I'm in Jacksonville. There are no Blaine Gabbert fans. Yet I was the only one brave enough to say that before he was drafted. So as always, bold picks. Rachel, I love that pick. Buffalo over the LA. It's going to be a great game. I could, I'm, That's not my upset pick, but I could see that happening too. Rex Ryan had done something to turn it around in Buffalo. But uh, I don't know, the, the blowout game, another bold one. The Giants over the Giants blowing up by the Packers, bold. You guys are crazy, though. Have you forgotten the game up north? This is my close game, by the way. Have you forgotten the game up north? The Vikings defense has led this team to a 4-0 record. They are now going up against DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Miller, Brock Osweiler, and shining star Will, Will Fuller the fifth. What? Oh, like I said, to start this segment, this game does not go into overtime. It is a disappointment because this is going to be either defensive battle or the offense is just going to go back and forward, back and forward. This is going to be awesome game. Vikings-Texans in Minnesota, my close game. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one not picking the, Pat, the Patriots-Browns from a blowout. There's another game that's uh, 
that could just get be that much uglier. That's the Jets and the Stolas. You guys talked about it. The Ryan Patrick's are nine. Nine interceptions in the last two games. Nine. He's going against the Stellas defense that uh, just, just dominated number one overall pick Alex Smith. Who's a very good quarterback, by the way. And Jamal Charles. And Spencer Ware. And Jeremy Macklin. Dominated him. You think he oh God, the Jets had absolutely no chance in Pittsburgh. None. Not happening. No way. And I think I'm with Josh on this one. I remember who said it. Upset of the week. The Falcons are going into Denver. And then they're handing Trevor Simi his first loss of the year. After they went into the Panthers, I God, the Panther Falcons. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs because we saw what happened last year. But they're going to be – they're, they're going to go into Denver. They're going to win. So, we'll find, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show? We're past the quarter pool. Now – Tampa Bay, at least you got the Lightning, Cleveland, Indians, Cavs. Enough said. Hey, I've just got one thing. We need to start a fund for Cam Newton because he has already gotten hit with two concussions this season. He's one of my favorite players, but I don't want to have to tell my children stories of how he was such a great man and he walks around looking like he could have never played. They got to get him some pass protection or something because that hit he took was just painful to watch. All right. So that'll do it here for the football five. Uh, please subscribe to all our podcasts on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Listen to us on the W2 network every Wednesday. Check out the W2 net. Dot org, dot com. I forget the name of the site. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure that out and let you guys know. Check them out. They got some good stuff going on over there. And until enjoy week enjoy week five. We'll be back next week to preview no, recap it all. Pardon me and preview week six. So until next time, Josh Lori, Eric Watkins, Dylan Goldman, and Richard McCurker. I'm Stephen Err. We will see you next time here on the Football Five. The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.